Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today's famous guest has worked to his true potential and brought to the world a beautiful musical sound. UPTV, or Uplifting Entertainment, says that Patrick Henry Hughes was born without being able to strengthen his arms and legs. Patrick Henry was also born without eyes. Having no eyes and these physical challenges didn't keep Patrick Henry from accomplishing much and conquering his dreams. His father, Patrick John Hughes, believed in his son's potential and introduced Patrick Henry to the wonderful world of music. Patrick John introduced Patrick Henry to the piano before he turned a year old, and Patrick Henry later began studying the trumpet. Patrick Henry excelled during high school, and he attended the University of Louisville and graduated magna cum laude with a Spanish degree. But Patrick Henry got national attention and fame through his immense musical talent. First, when participating in the University of Louisville's marching band, he's now performed with famous country singers Faith Hill and Pam Tillis at the Grand Ole Opry. Patrick Henry even appeared on well-known TV shows, including Ellen and, most recently, Family Feud. The story of Patrick Henry's journey has been profiled in a brand new book published by him, his father, and Bryant Stanford, along with a recent made-for-TV movie. They're both titled I Am Potential. Patrick Henry and Patrick John join us to elaborate on these accomplishments and the road to fame and their impact on worldview of the potential of blind and physically challenged people. Welcome to the show, Patrick Henry and Patrick John. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Patrick John, let's start with you. I was looking at the UPTV website, and I was watching the new I Am Potential movie on cable TV, and I understand that after your son was born, you and your wife learned from the doctor that Patrick Henry that he didn't have any eyes, and neither the ability to strengthen his legs and arms. How do you explain this life-changing realization to our listeners? Well, Patrick is the oldest of our three sons, and it was definitely a shock. Uh, She had an excellent pregnancy and went full term and an ultrasound at midterm, and we expected a, a healthy baby boy the night Patrick Henry was born, but As you said, he was born without eyes and couldn't straighten his arms or legs. After a few weeks of kind of crying ourselves to sleep and asking why us, we decided why not us and just went about the business of raising our son and making Patrick the best Patrick Henry Hughes that he could be. What thing simple or complex did you and your wife think that Patrick Henry wouldn't be able to do? We knew that Patrick was probably going to be a user of a wheelchair for mobility his entire life, and we knew without eyes that he would not see the light of day or the smile on our faces or any of those sorts of things. Those were the obvious things we knew at Patrick's birth. We didn't know how Patrick would develop cognitively or 
you know, could he be able to feed himself or what other challenges we might face. So uh, we just kind of strapped in and buckled up and, and got ready for the ride. And what an amazing ride it's been. A ride to accomplishments. But one of our listeners, James Christie, he asks, how did you or they deal with depression and how did they find hope to push through? And I assume that the they, he means both you and Patrick Henry. Well, since I'm, I've got the floor, I'll go first. My wife and I, you know, as I mentioned, we, we did cry ourselves to sleep the first few weeks and ask why us and sort of splashed around in the pity pool. But, you know, very quickly, relatively speaking, you know, reality was if we, if we became depressed and weren't there for our son to become the best Patrick Henry Hughes that he could become, what chance would he have if his parents were so busy splashing around in our own pity pool that we couldn't help our son? So we knew that we had to, to work hard and maybe a little extra hard than we had planned to make Patrick successful and to give him every opportunity that he should have as as a, another person on this planet. If we were to give up on him and ourselves, he'd have no chance. So that just was not an option for us. One of the opportunities you gave him to realize his full potential was you let him play the piano. How did you do that? Patrick Henry, why don't you tell that story? <laughs> okay, so technically it happened when I was about four months old. My my dad was taking care of me during the day while my mom was away. And you know, being a new dad, he did everything that he knew to do. Fed me, changed me, but for whatever reason unknown to him, I was still crying. So knowing not what else to do, he was a music major, majored in violin and minored in piano in college. He laid me up on top of the piano and played. And to this day, we don't know whether I liked it or what, but I immediately got quiet. We look back on it, we think maybe it just brought me to a whole new level of terror. But either way, whenever I was crying, that was a good way to keep me quiet. So at about nine months old, Dad took the tray off this old wooden high chair and put it in front of the piano. You know, he thought I'd enjoy making as much noise as I could, bang on the keys, but I always played with one finger, kind of finding out what note made what sound, so to speak, and it went from there. Is that what really made you fall in love with music, or, in fact, what was the real reason that you fell in love with music, Patrick Henry? In all honesty, and it probably had something to do with being blind, I loved everything that made noise. And not only did I have the piano, but... I enjoyed listening to tapes. I enjoyed toys that made noise. And so I guess the piano was just another noise toy, so to speak, that I enjoyed. And one of the cool things that made me enjoy it was the piano that I first learned to play on, I was able to sort of compare the sounds that the notes made with the sounds of voices that I was familiar with. For example, there might be notes that reminded me of the voices of my parents or my grandparents or a, a voice I would hear in a public place, so to speak. So that was that was always fun. You know, if I've ever I wanted to hear, for example, my grandparents' voices and they were busy, I could just go to the piano and hit those particular notes and, and imagine I was hearing those voices. The Courier-Journal says that you got so good at playing the piano, Patrick Henry, that at such an early age... 
you already took song requests when you were just two years old. As this mini Stevie Wonder, you played some well-known tunes, including You Are My Sunshine. How did you get so good at playing these old-school songs? It must have taken you lots of practice. It did take practice, but the truth of the matter was I enjoyed it. I would probably, as a baby, sit in front of the piano for three or four hours a day and play and be able to entertain myself. I just loved it so much. And I had all these different kids' song tapes and Sesame Street tapes that I enjoyed listening to. So I would listen to those tape and learn the melodies and the words and sort of play along and you know, play with the tape or play, you know, listen to the tapes and then go and play what I heard. And sometimes I did enjoy trying to play along with the tape. So it was just a wonderful experience, and I really enjoyed it. The Courier-Journal says, Patrick Henry, that you later learned to play the trumpet. What made you decide to learn to also play the trumpet and not just the piano? After I'd become fairly proficient with the piano and, and also being able to sing and all the, the different music that I would listen to, I wanted to maybe experiment with some other instruments and these days, it's mandatory, I think, uh, at least in most of the world, I guess. But when I was in school, it was voluntary. You could volunteer to be in either the band or the orchestra. I was in fourth grade at the time. Band was fine, too. And when I joined the band, I originally wanted to play the drums because I was really interested in some of the metallic percussion instruments, the cymbals, triangles, bells, things like that, and the sounds that they made. But in order to play a drum set, you have to move your body in certain ways to be able to hit more than one drum at once. And there's these pedals that you use to hit some of the drums that might be a little difficult for me. So my parents and I talked about it and decided on the trumpet because, well, first of all, it's made of metal. And second, both of my parents played a little bit of trumpet. My dad learned from his brother, my uncle, who, who played the trumpet in his uh, college band, and mom played a little bit in high school, so they knew together they could work with me on the trumpet and be able to help me out wherever I might need help. When After learning the trumpet a lot, that got you a spot in the L or University of Louisville marching band. We're all just wondering, why? A person in a wheelchair like you, Patrick Henry, in that kind of formation, chooses the marching band where marching in formation is a challenge. My original goal, and, and of course we looked at uh, several colleges, uh, neither one of them had marching bands, but in the end we chose the University of Louisville, and my original goal was to be a member of the pep band that plays at basketball and volleyball games. But at the time, there was a, a policy. We went to talk to the band director, Dr. Greg Byrne, about this, and there was a policy that in order to participate in the pep band that plays at basketball games and maybe even gets to go to the Final Four if the team makes it that far, you have to be in the marching band to play at the football games. And originally, my dad and I were kind of skeptical because, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm going to march, sure, whatever. But I really wanted to do the pep band thing. So in the end, uh, we asked Dr. Byrne to just sign us up for pep band. And 
Dad would write someone to get us out of marching band, but as usual, procrastinated. And next thing you know, it's time for marching band camp, which meets under, you know, 10 days before classes are due to start under a baking hot August sun. We go to band camp and dad's thinking this is going to be his inspiration to get that letter written. But when we get home, we discover that the TV news had done stories of us being in the marching band. With that, the die was cast, so to speak. We had a wonderful five seasons of marching band and truly the credit goes to Dr. Greg Byrne, the band director who stuck to his policy of being in the marching band to be in the pep band, and the marching band gave me a lot of great opportunities I probably would not have experienced otherwise. Uh, Patrick John, are you still with us? Yes, sir. I'm right here listening away. You also joined the band with your son to just keep Patrick in that perfect formation. How did you ensure that the band members accepted your participation I really had no way of ensuring that not only would the band members accept a young man like Patrick Henry into the marching band, obviously that kind of changes the whole mix, but I had no assurance they would accept his dad coming along either. I just had to get out there and work as hard as I could and hope for the best, and that's what I did. And turns out those 220-some-odd young people who were part of that marching band accepted us and uh, hopefully enjoyed having us along and kind of the extra attention that came with us joining the band. That's very exciting. While you were in the marching band at UofL, Civin Media Relations says that you not only went for the marching band, but you also went to school. You got your bachelor's degree in Spanish. How did you convince your professors to believe that you had both the ability to complete your education and play in the marching band at the same time, successfully. My professors were very great all along. Of course, they never really saw my disabilities as disabilities, but, you know, saw them as abilities, so to speak. And we, we would always go to them and ask them, for example, what books would be required, and they would very graciously give me that information so that I could get them recorded in, in an audio format or a computer format. And, uh, there was a great area at U of L. It was called the Disabilities Resource Center, and I would go there usually to take my tests that the teachers would administer. And the test was put on a, a CD format so that I could read it through. The, I could put it into the computer, and the computer would read the questions to me, and I would type my answers in. They'd usually give me time and a half, so usually a test would take 50 minutes. They'd give me 75 minutes. Sometimes if it was an oral quiz in class, they'd let, for example, Dad take me out in the hall and administer the, the quiz to me. He would read me the questions, and I'd give him my answers. So I had some very great professors at UofL, and the marching band uh, pretty much always never never really interfered with my other classes. It was a four-credit course itself and met every mon Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for two hours from like 4.30 to 6.30. And sometimes there were games that would interfere with classes, but usually only one of those per season. And the the band director would explain to the he'd give notes to the students to let you know all their professors know that they would miss the class and 
make sure they got the makeup work or whatever they needed to do to catch up. So really a great experience at UofL. Your marching band experience got you so much national attention, Patrick Henry, that, for instance, you got to be on The Ellen Show. And talk and just just tell us a little bit about your experience being on the show and meeting Ellen DeGeneres. Did you even win any prizes from her? Because I've seen her show a few times where she gives away prizes to her very special guests. Not only Ellen DeGeneres, but pretty much everyone I've met that's famous, so to speak. Absolutely wonderful people. I don't think I've ever met anyone in the celebrity industry, so to speak, that was not nice or, or rude or anything like that. And the Ellen show was truly a treat. She was a wonderful person. And as for the, the special prize, I actually did get something. It, it just so happened that I was on the show like the day after my 20th birthday. So she treated me and dad to a, a weekend trip to New York where uh, one of my favorite shows on TV is Saturday Night Live, so we got the opportunity to go see Saturday Night Live during our trip to New York as well. So that was really exciting. And you also got on some game shows, too. You and your family were all on uh, Family Feud, and Family Feud is one of my favorite game shows. I remember being introduced to that show when I was just five when Ray Combs was host. Patrick Henry... You got to meet one of the other hosts, though, Steve Harvey. What was your reaction when you got to meet him? And did you guys win the game and play Fast Money for ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 or more? Well, we did get the opportunity, to, as you said, to go on Family Feud and meet my man Steve Harvey and play <laughs> for a lot of cash and a brand new car. Interesting story. We won three and lost three. We competed first and lost on our, our very first game, but they found a, a technical glitch or something that they thought wasn't fair and invited us back. So the next year, we came back and won three games, and they counted our first loss as sort of that first game, so to speak. So we got to play for the car, and we lost that game, but they found another glitch and invited us back, and then we got to play for the car one more time, but unfortunately lost that game as well. So we, we did win a little cash, but didn't get the car. Still, though, we had a wonderful experience. Uh, Steve Harvey, uh, like you said, truly one of the, the funniest people, you know, really nice. And even during the show, for example, like when we're watching commercials, he'll come out in the audience and take questions and do a little stand-up routine so really truly a wonderful experience and of course i'm i'm a game show freak myself so that was a, a real treat for me to go on truly one of the classic long-running game shows and of course i've seen all pretty much all the the hosts at least here in the u.s through reruns and things like that so it was really a, a treat to be on such a classic iconic game show for for someone like me real quickly you continue to do motivational speaking events what messages do you give your audiences and what are some of your upcoming events well my dad and i are very blessed to travel the country and even parts of the world doing motivational speaking we'll 
speak to churches and schools and business corporations, basically anyone that asks us to share our stories. And we talk of things like overcoming obstacles, being more than you think you can, looking at your perspective in life. We always try to get a nice grand or baby grand piano so that I can play some sort of inspirational songs intermittently while we share our stories. It's always a real treat to go out there and do that. That's always lots of fun. How about your book and movie, I Am Potential? Maybe you both can speak on it. Tell us more about the movie and the book and where our listeners can buy the book and even watch the movie. The book, I Am Potential, Eight Lessons on Living, Loving, and Reaching Your Dreams. When we wrote the book, we didn't want to make it sort of a biography, so to speak. I mean, sure, there are some biographical stories, but the main focus of the book was to create sort of eight life lessons that will be useful to someone, whether they read the book 30 years ago or are reading it now or will read it 30 years from now, those lessons will still be useful. It was first launched by Meredith Vieira on the Today Show in October of 2008 and is currently available pretty much wherever books are sold. And a little over, well, some time ago, a film company bought the rights to the book and made it into a movie. And there's real actors and actresses who play us. We have some little cameos here and there, but mainly it's actors and actresses playing us. And everyone did a great job with the movie who was a part of it. I'm played by a guy named Jimmy Bellinger, who does a lot of stuff for Disney and even has a recurring role on the middle. My mom's played by a lady named Jama Williamson, who did a couple of seasons of Parks and Recreation with Amy Poehler. And my dad is played by a guy named Burgess Jenkins, who is currently Billy Abbott on The Young and the Rest. Patrick Henry and Patrick John, what advice do you two offer our listeners who want to work to their full potential. Patrick, I love your uh, your PAT. Okay, so this is a sort of an acronym that I've created because, like everyone, I'm human and maybe things don't go the way I hope they will or I'm faced with a challenge or an obstacle or something that I just don't know how I'm going to get through. It just seems a little difficult, but whenever those moments arise. I have an acronym that helps me out. It's the first three letters of my name, P-A-T. The P is for passion, patience, and perseverance. Because in order to achieve a goal, you must have a passion for it and be patient because it might take a while for your goal to work. So you always have to persevere and keep trying and don't give up. The A is ability and attitude. Use the abilities that you know you have, and probably one of the most important things is to keep a positive attitude that it's going to happen and you're going to achieve that goal no matter the odds, no matter the difficulty. And finally, the T is trust. Trust in yourself that eventually you will achieve your goal. P-A-T. Very good advice. Well, Patrick Henry and Patrick John... We hope that this information is going to encourage our listeners to not let their blindness or visual impairment keep them from achieving great success. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was great being with you. A real pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And before we go, I welcome your comments on the show. 
just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You may also email me at McCallan3 at Comcast.net. That's M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N, the number three. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB... Danny, how would you like to be Playmate of the Month? Mom! This is Saving the 70s. I think I love you. Women want respect. They don't want to be looked upon as just a pair of legs or a pair of... Saving the 70s. Willie just won't go. Obviously, he needs more fiber in his diet. Hi, I'm Mike Walker, and I host Saving the 70s. Heard Saturday mornings from 8 to 11 here on ACB Radio Interactive. I'm well aware that they're only airing the show because it makes for cheap filler between the good stuff, but I hope you'll listen anyway. Sit on it, Richie. Are you having difficulty reading the newspaper? Are you experiencing severe vision loss? Or do you know someone who is? If you answer yes to any of these questions, then the American Council of the Blind can help you. We are blind and visually impaired people from every walk of life who work together to enhance our lives. For more information or membership application, call 800-424-8666 or contact us online at www.acb.org. The American Council of the Blind, forging new frontiers for our future. You're listening to ACB Radio Mainstream. ACB Radio, where you're listening is our business.